Hi, this is Ricardo, pastor of Journey Church Ventura. Thanks for taking the time to listen to our podcast. Hope you're having a great week. We hope it's life-giving and life-changing. Take care. That's an intense video. It takes conviction to give your life for something. It takes this internal thing that happens inside of you to say, I, no matter what, I am going to stand for this thing, whatever that thing is. There are people in our world today that are standing for stuff that they're, they're like, it, it, I won't say it doesn't matter because it matters to them, but I will say that there are things that aren't going to last that they're standing for, right? I like what one author says. He says, are we living for something that's Jesus's, that, that was worth Jesus dying for? Are we living for something that was worth Jesus dying for? That's a big statement. Are we living with a conviction in our hearts that goes beyond our average circumstance or situation? We're, we're in a series called Next Level Life. And my passion for this series is that all of us would rise up to another level of faith and life experience in relationship to God, in relationship to our families, in relationships to work, in relationship to our, our connection with our community. Can we just go one step higher? But it requires something. It requires something that we're learning about next level life. And that is that if we want to go to the next level, we have to leave the old level behind, right? And so there's something that has to change. If you're a young person in this room and you want to achieve, you're going to go through level after level after level. But the, the scary thing is, is when you leave this one and go to the next one, because this one's unfamiliar, this one's become familiar. And I'm afraid that what happens in church, what happens in life, is that we become too familiar with the level we're at and we don't want to go to the next level. And we lose out on our opportunity. We lose out on our potential. We lose out on, on the highest level that we can reach that God wants us to reach. And by the way, th there's no level that's about us being coming arrogant and all that and a bag of chips. And specifically, tortilla chips. There's, there's none of that. It's not about that. It's about becoming what God's potential is for us. And rising to a level of, of experience as a church where we become, as a collective group of people, we live our highest potential. And I'm excited about that. I'm excited about that. Our main thought for the entire series has been this. Living at the next level of life and faith means we must be willing to do what we've never done before. It requires the right choices, relationships, convictions, character, competence, and, and consistency and commitment. Without these, we will remain or decline at a level of complacency. And so it means that we have to step up. We have to go to that next level and to do and become what that next level requires. The big question is simply this. How do we rise to another level of faith and life? How do we get to that level? And we talked to, in the first two weeks, we've talked about choices. We've talked about uh, when Joshua said, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And then the, the, all the people of Israel said, yeah, we're going to do that. And he said, no, you're not even capable of doing it. Your commitment level isn't high enough. And then he emphasized that they needed to repent of their sin. And they, he created a rock to symbolize the covenant that they had made with God to rise to that next level of commitment. And they made a choice. 
And that choice was to serve the Lord. We gave out rocks that day. And I hope you're having, you know, I hope your rocks are in inconvenient places that are reminding you of the covenant that you made with God to choose to serve Him and to serve Him only. Last week we talked about relationships, that there are healthy relationships and there are comfort relationships. Just like food. There's comfort food and there's healthy food. I love comfort food. And healthy food is tough on us sometimes. I was talking to somebody this morning. They were like, I love our comfort food, but we have to eat this healthy food if we're going to stay healthy. And all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, ugh, I don't know. We've talked about show me your friends and I'll show you your future. And so friends often, relationships often are the ones that we have to choose to bring us to that next level. And today I want to talk about Next level life means we have to have conviction in our hearts. The reason we showed that video is because it's imperative that we understand that if we are going to do something great for God, we have to have a depth of conviction in our lives that challenges us and, and, and encourages us and motivates us to say, I'm, no matter what, I'm going to stand for this. They've said about the church recently that more people know what the church is against than what it's for. That's not good. Because we're for loving people. We're for grace. We're for salvation for the lives of those that have yet to discover God's love, grace, and forgiveness. We call ourselves Journey Church because we want to enter into the journeys of those who have yet to discover God's love, grace, and forgiveness. We want to go on the journey with others while we're on our journey of growth and health and discipleship, we want to take others with us. Amen. And we want to enter into their journeys. And it's a great place to be. It's a great <clears throat> mission to be accomplished. So the big question is, do you have conviction? Is there conviction in your life? There's, there's something about people with conviction that talk like this. They have language that, that if you talk to them very long, they talk like this. They go, I have to do this. I have to. They say, I must. There's, there's these definitive, there's these like heartfelt statements that go, I have to do this. I must do this. They say no more than they say yes. I was talking to somebody last night and they've, they say, I'm, I'm sorry, Pastor. I, I can't do everything that I'm... Uh, you want me to do, and I can't do everything that people want me to do. I have to narrow my decisions down because I'm, I know what the direction of my life is. They were saying no. I'm like, that's good. That's good. I'm glad you're saying no. I'm glad you're saying no because you have a conviction. People with conviction say, come with me because they're confident where they're going. They're not shy about it. They're not afraid of it because they know that what God has called them to is something better than where they're at. That's people with conviction. They also say, stay away. You're not good for me. You're not good for the direction I'm going. You're not good or healthy for that direction that I'm going. And so they, they're selective about their relationships. They're not prejudiced. They're solid in their conviction so much so that they're not willing to let people that would negatively influence them go in a wrong direction and they say stay away they also say I don't I don't care how much it costs and that's not just dollar bills that's 
life, that's time, that's energy, that's everything that goes into a conviction. And by the way, we're not talking about convictions that come with rap sheets, just to be clear. We're talking about conviction that is deep inside the heart. It's a heart thing. It's not just a head thing. It's a place where God says, this is what it's all about. This is what is all about. The next level of life requires that we have convictions that move us forward. A life without convictions will be swayed by the wind and the waves of life. So let's just do this little test in your mind. Um, and if we see smoke, that means that people are really thinking about this. <clears throat> um, <clears throat> how many times do you say yes to people versus how many times do you say no? And then let me qualify that by saying, how many times do you say yes or no based on a conviction? If you're trying to make everybody happy, I, I guarantee you that you're not living by your own convictions unless you believe within all your heart that making everybody happy is the only way to be happy. And then you're finding yourself sad because you find yourself not able to make everybody happy. It's impossible. I've tried it as a pastor and I ruined myself trying to make everybody happy. It's not a good thing. Have you done that test? How many times are you saying no? How many times are you saying yes? Are you clear about what your calling is, what your conviction is, what your direction in life is? Because when it happens, then it comes together. There's a, a really interesting saying in James 1. It says this in verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given you. That's a great promise, right? If we need wisdom, ask for it, and he'll give it to us in generosity. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. There's a person that asks without conviction. When you ask without conviction, there's doubt. You're pushed by the waves. You, you look at the circumstances. It's like Peter getting out of the boat with the disciples. When Jesus says, Peter, come on out, walk on the water with me. Peter gets out of the boat. He has enough conviction to go, that guy knows what he's talking about. I'm going to walk. And then he starts looking at the circumstances around him. And then he goes, oh, this is not good. And then he starts sinking. And then Jesus reaches down and says, oh, Peter, you have a little faith. What do you mean, Jesus, me a little faith? I walked on water with you. Yeah, but you let the circumstances overcome you. We don't want to be people that have that, that doubt all the time, that wonder, that, oh, I don't know. I'm going to ask God, but I don't think he's going to answer. I don't know because I don't know if he knows. You know, That's kind of the way we ask sometimes. And God says, I want you to know me. And when you know me, you know what to ask me. And you can confidently know that I'm going to answer you. And I'm going to help you move mountains. I'm going to help see great things happen. I believe without doubt that people that came here for healing, that people that came here for deliverance, experienced something unique today that God has done in their lives as we prayed for them. Without doubt. There's an author that says this. He says, conviction assures people that their work matters. They know that if they focus all their energy and attention in a determined direction, it will yield results. Their belief does more to, uh, than put them at ease. It creates a self-fulfilling prophecy of success. 
And by the way, I don't believe in that self-fulfilling part. I believe in that God-fulfilling part. It's the only part I don't like about that statement. But if we have a conviction, a confidence that this is the direction we need to go, and based on God's influence in our lives, then there's no question you will experience success. So next level life is essential. And I want to, I want to look at, at Jesus giving us an example of the next level life. It says in John 4, it says, then leaving her water jar. So she's at, uh, <clears throat> Jesus is meeting with the, the uh, Samaritan woman at the well, which is a, a whole message all by itself. But it's at this well that he shows conviction. First of all, he's, he's meeting with a Samaritan woman and he's sharing the gospel with the Samaritan woman, which all in itself says that he has a conviction about sharing the gospel with anybody who will listen. Doesn't matter culturally. He's not, culturally, he's not supposed to be talking to a woman. Culturally, he's certainly not supposed to be talking to a Samaritan. And he's talking to a, a woman who has had five husbands and is currently living with a guy that she's not married to. And so all of those situations and circumstances would dictate if he were to listen to the popular culture or the religious culture that you're not supposed to go there and talk to her. But he's doing it. Conviction will cause us to cross those cultural lines to do what God has called us to do. I love that. I love that. And so he's meeting with her and and then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out, they came out of the town and made their way toward him. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, could someone have brought him food? My food, said Jesus. Listen to this. My food, what sustains me, what gives me satisfaction, what brings uh, uh, sustenance to me is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Conviction. Conviction. Where in our lives are we living like that? My food. When I talk about my food, I'm thinking food. I'm thinking taquitos. I'm thinking enchiladas. I'm thinking tamales. I'm thinking, you know, I'm thinking all the Mexican food I can. That's my food. But is there something better and bigger than that? And absolutely, yes. It doesn't just come down to food. It comes to obedience and, and to that place where God has said, Ricardo, I want you to preach the gospel. I want you to pastor a church. I want you to lead a church into discipleship. And I want you to lead a church that follows after Jesus. And that's the conviction. And that's the, the, the role I play. That's the part I play in the body of Christ. It doesn't make me special or better than anybody else, but it puts me in a place where I, I follow that conviction with my whole heart, with my whole soul, with every ounce of energy that I have. And when we do that, when we do that, we can see God do something far beyond our abilities. What God wants to do is far beyond Ricardo, far beyond our, our church. He wants to reach an entire community for you. Christ's sake. And we have to get to that level. Amen. We have to get to that level 
that allows that to happen. Next level life people let their calling clarify their conviction. In this case, Jesus knew his calling. His calling was the son of God. None of us have that role because it's already been done. But all of us have a calling. Everybody in this room, every single human being in this room has a calling. It's our responsibility to discover it. What is that purpose? What is that passion? What is that direction that God is leading you in? What are you waking up in the morning going, I have to, I must, no to that, yes to this, because yes to this means I'm following my calling. No to that means it's a distraction and it's not healthy for me and takes away from where I'm going. Next level life, people let their, call, their calling clarify their conviction. What is driving you? What is I must in your life? What is I have to in your life? What is the thing that is the one thing or the two things or the three things that are called, God say, you have to do this. This is what you are about. And don't let anything take that away from you. When, you, when we allow that to happen, man, that's another level. That's another level. Jesus was clear about his purpose. He was clear about what a distraction would be. At that moment, when he was meeting with this lady, food was not the priority. It was her. And it was all the people coming out of the Samaritan village to see him. And people believed in him that day. Why? Because he stuck with his conviction. He was clear what to say yes to and what to say no to. He said no to real food. He said yes to even more real food which is to do the will of the Father. Next level, life people let conviction codify their culture. Let me explain that. <clears throat> codify means we develop a code in our life. If you hang out with really successful people, you'll listen to them, and they'll start saying um, words like, uh, this, is, this is what we're about. We're about, um, like if you, if you hung out at, at Journey, you'd, you'd hear words like, um, we do for those what we... We do for one what we, could, what we wish we could do for all. That's, a, that's a, a code that we have. We serve people. That's what we're about. If, if you want, uh, we enter into the journeys of those who have yet to discover God's love, grace, and forgiveness. That's our journey. Our, our code is that we are willing to go into people's lives so that we can hopefully be a gospel influence in their lives. Codes. People have codes. They have uh, success codes. Jesus had a code, and he said he, his words were follow. If you walk through Scripture, you'll hear, follow me, follow me, follow me, follow me. If you want to follow me, all kinds of culture words. He had another one, faith. Oh, you have little faith. Oh, you exercised faith. He was always looking for faith. And so these were words that codified his, his convictions. They, they, they were words that developed in him saying that these are what's important. He had love, serve, blessed. Those are just five words that are significant to the culture that Jesus created. He was always looking for followers. He was always looking for people willing to serve. He was always looking for people full of faith. Or addressing the empty faith of people. He was always looking for the, the he was always uh, telling people how to be blessed. Those were words that codified who he was and, and, and developed a culture around him. And if you look at the disciples, they were the very same, the, the, they carried the language on. 
If you read through the book of Acts, you, you hear follow, you hear faith, you hear love, you hear serve, you hear bless. All those kinds of words were used. Why? Because Jesus influenced the culture and the, and the conviction of those disciples so that they carried it on. What is your code? What is your code? What's the code of your life? What's developing the culture? There's a great leadership statement that says language creates culture. And if we have language in our, you know, there's people that have, uh, I remember a family that I used to know that said they wouldn't let their kids say, I'm bored. I said, nope, you cannot say I'm bored because if you're bored, you're a boring person. <laughs> if you think about it, it's kind of true. I mean, if you're bored, that means you can't even, like, entertain yourself. You don't know what to do in life. You're waiting for others to make you happy. You can't say, I'm bored. There's other marriages that say divorce is not a language that we ever use in our marriage. Why? Because that, create, that communicates that there's, there's the potential that there's a breakup that, that is a potential. That's never a potential. That until death do us part thing eliminates other words that don't work in that till death do us part. And so that, you know, there's, uh, in our family, we had a little culture called no regrets. I've, I've mentioned this before. When our kids leave the door, no regrets. Taylor, Taylor would turn around and go, um, good choices. Or I'd say good choices. And then they'd sit, turn around and say no, uh, no regrets. And we, we create that culture of making good choices. And they knew that their choices were theirs. We also had a, a, a code that said high freedom or high trust, high freedom. Low trust, low freedom. And it was their bank to deposit into. So if they had a lot of trust in the bank, they had a lot of freedom. If they had low trust, then they had little freedom, if any. And that was a culture that, that we created. And it, and it was like, hey, um, you're low on the trust thing right now. So no, you can't go. Or yeah, I trust you implicitly. You can go anywhere you want. Because you're going to make good choices and have no regrets. Next level, people let conviction codify their culture. What is your code? What is the language? How do you talk at home? How do you talk at work? How do you talk in your daily life? What do you talk in your head? That language is huge. Because what we hear in here is most often the rudder of our life. The way we talk in here is the way or the direction things are going. Ephesians 3 7 through 11 is a really important passage of scripture for me. It's a passage that um, I was challenged when I first became a Christian and I felt like I was like starting to be interested in ministry and becoming a pastor. I, I felt this feeling and, and somebody said to me, well, have you heard from the word of God yet about that? And I'm like, well, no. I just, you know, I just feel like it would be really cool to be a pastor. And they said, that's not good enough Go let God's word speak to you about your calling. And I did not know scripture at that time, and I didn't know it well, but I heard in my head Ephesians chapter 3. And so I went and I read this passage of scripture. And I'm like, that's it. I'm a pastor. <laughs> I'm called to be one. I, I, I didn't 
really think I was one, but I, I was called to be one. Ephesians 3, verse 7 says, I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. So the first thing I understood is that I would be a servant of the gospel. I would serve the gospel, the good news. All, and verse 8, although I am less than the least of the Lord of all the Lord's people, and this is Paul speaking, this grace was given me. So he considered himself least. He, he considered himself not worthy at all to be called a pastor or to be called an apostle in this context. And I was feeling the same way. There's just no way I'm even qualified, close to it, anywhere near it. And by the way, none of us are qualified. Only by the grace of God are we qualified. Only by the robe of righteousness that we wear are we qualified. Um, nothing in ourselves qualifies us to be a servant of God. But he is the one who qualifies us. And it's powerful. And then he says this. He says, although I'm less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery for which, age, uh, which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. And so his conviction about his calling was to preach the gospel. Next level people let conviction set in concrete their commitment. He was absolutely committed to preaching the gospel. And he would do that everywhere he went. Everywhere he went. We talk about our passion verse in Romans chapter 15 verse 20. And I don't have that on the screen. But Romans 15 says, and Paul says in that, that he was hindered from coming to Jerusalem to visit the church because he was preaching the gospel to the Gentiles. He was hindered. He was so, his conviction was so deep that he wouldn't go visit the church in Jerusalem because he, had, he found unsaved people to preach the gospel to. I love that. I love that. I love that we can be hindered. You, and I've said this before, and I'll say it again so that we develop it in our culture. If you are hindered from coming to church because you have an opportunity to influence non-Christians, don't show up. I want you to be hindered. I want you to not come to church but spend time with people that need Jesus because you'll do more there than you might do here. Okay? Now, I don't do that every Sunday. But I believe that with all my heart, there is an opportunity, especially kids' sports and all those things that used to never happen on Sunday. Now they all happen on Sunday. But make it your mission field to go hang out with those parents. Make it your mission field to be a gospel influence in that context. And when you are, you will, you will be missed here, but you will not miss your calling. You hearing that? You hearing that? Let it be a part of your commitment. We want that to be our passion verse that we were hindered. Why? Because I had the gospel to share. I had an influence to make. And when we do that, we become that next level person. We become, let your commitment. I said this quote earlier. This was by Leonard Ravenhill, a famous evangelist. He said, are the things you are living for worth Christ dying for? Are the things we're doing worth Christ dying for? Are the things that are, do, do, are what we're doing have that same level of value of change, life change and influence? That excites me. 
That excites me to live for something that is worth Christ dying for. Acts chapter 7 verse 59 says this. While they were stoning him, this is Stephen. Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold the sin against them. When he had said this, he fell asleep. He didn't lay his head down and go, oh, this is really comfortable. He died. But he prayed in the midst of that death, in the midst of getting stoned and having rocks hit him. They were not five-leaf clovers. That's not the kind of stoning he experienced. It was rocks hitting him in the head. And those rocks, while while he was dying, he said, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. Talk about conviction. Talk about an opportunity to influence somebody's soul with the gospel. While they're throwing rocks, he's throwing love right back at them. How powerful is that? Paul continues in the Ephesians passage. He says his intent was that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now here's a conviction for you and for me as a church. This building isn't the church, we are. Every beating heart right here collectively is the church. And it simply says this, is that our, and this is what our conviction needs to be as a church, that we exist to be the ones that share the manifold wisdom of God to the rulers and authorities in our world according to his eternal purpose. And so the, the Bible is simply encouraging us that we have a, def, a defined purpose, and that is to be the gospel presence in our communities. And when we are that, we have the opportunity to make a difference, especially at leadership levels. And so when we're there, we have the opportunity to influence. And I, and I say this with all my heart, and, and I know we want to live this out, and we'll live this out with a conviction through our small groups, through our church as, as, a, as a whole. We will always be doing things that somehow impact our community. So every small group has to have a serve component to it. If it's not serving the community, it can't be a group in our church. <clears throat> If we as a church are always going to do things that reach our community and touch the lives of our community. And if we're not doing that, then we're not accomplishing God's purpose. Because this passage says, Through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. That's our conviction. Amen? Amen. All right. We're okay with that? Yeah. We're still friends? Last point. 1 Corinthians 9.16 says, and this is Paul again, Paul the Apostle. He says, for when I preach the gospel, I cannot boast. Since I am compelled to preach, woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. Next level people let conviction control their conduct. He couldn't do anything but preach. His conduct was the only thing that he, he felt good about doing was preaching. Why? Because he had a conviction that God had called him to do just that. To preach and to preach like crazy. And he reached thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people. And by now, 
because Paul was such a, a great church starter in the beginning of the church, millions and up to billions of people believe in Jesus because of the gospel that was spread, that he preached, that others have preached, that you and I have the opportunity to preach. Next level people let conviction. I like what this guy said, to Thomas Carlyle. He said, conviction is worthless unless it is converted into conduct. Conviction is worthless unless it is converted into conduct. Jesus said, my food is to do the will of my Father. Not to think, not to dream about, not to hope, not to wish for, not to put it on somebody else's responsibility. My food is to do the will of my Father. Where are you at today? Do you have conviction? Is there something driving you forward? Is there something that wakes you up in the morning and you go, I must, I have to, I've got to do these things. Are you clear about your calling? Are you letting your conviction define your conduct? Are you uh, willing to let your conviction clarify and cement your commitment? Are you letting your conviction codify or develop the words you speak to yourself and others to develop your culture? Most importantly, are you convicted about who Jesus is? Are you convicted that in your heart you know he's the savior of the world? He's your savior. He's the one that died on a cross for you. He's the one that rose again three days later to give us the hope of eternal life. Are you convinced? Are you believers? Are you followers of Jesus? Because that's his language. Are you following me? Are you walking after me? Are you following in the steps? of Jesus. That's what he wants us to do. But we have to be convicted about him. We have to have this conviction that Jesus is real. Jesus is all powerful. Jesus is the savior of the world. And most importantly, Jesus is my savior, my redeemer, my hope, my strength, my courage, my faith, my everything. And if he is that, then we can carry on the conviction of his calling in our life to make disciples to love people, to show grace, to enter into the journeys of those who have yet to discover his love, grace, and forgiveness. That's our conviction. That's our conviction. What are you called to? Evaluate what you're driven to do. What's the language that's speaking and developing the culture of your life? God desires more than anything a church with a conviction. And we will be that. And prayerfully, I won't be perfect in it because I'm an imperfect individual. But prayerfully and hopefully passionately, we will, with, 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 the, with the direction God's given us and the vision he's laying on our hearts, we will be everything this community needs in a church to reach it with the gospel message, to love it, to care for it, and to lead it into the kingdom. And when we do that, we will be next level church, not just next level individuals, but we'll be a next level church. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. God, I believe right now there are people that their complacency has been shaken. 
Our mediocrity has been challenged. And Lord, I believe that with everything in our hearts, you want us to go to that next level and help us, God, to get there. We realize it's not in our own strength. It's not in our own uh, knowledge or power, but it's in a commitment that says, Jesus, whatever you want me to do, I will do. Whatever you want me to stand for, I will stand for. Whatever you want me to talk, I'll talk. Whenever you want me to walk, I'll walk. Wherever you want me to go, I'll go. And Lord, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that you create a depth of conviction in us that will allow us to step to the next level and the level after that so that we can be an effective church for you in this, in this community and in this county and in this world. I pray right now for the power of your Holy Spirit to move on each person in this room. Deepen our conviction. Shape our, our conduct. Codify our culture. Help us to have the right words to speak. Help us with our conduct. For every life and every heart, I pray that the power of your Holy Spirit would move in us and give us a conviction that won't go away. May we be like the disciples who over 70 years of, of time gave all of their lives to serving you. Most of them crucified, brutally tortured, and died because of their faith. Lord, help us to give our lives completely to you. No matter what that means, no matter what that costs, we must serve you. We must follow you. We have to reach our community because you said that's what our job is. That's what our calling is. That's what our mandate is. And I thank you and I praise you for that. Lord, I pray that you bless every heart in this room in Jesus' name. Move us to have a conviction. Before I, I ask if anybody would like to accept Christ, I want to challenge all of us to journal this process. Next week I'll give you journals and everyone's going to get one for our 40 days of prayer and fasting that are coming up and I'll explain that next week but I want you to journal what how God is convicting you what convictions he's putting in you and maybe he's convicting you of your sin maybe he's convicting you of your heart that it's in the wrong place or and in, in have having the wrong motives but whatever it is I just want to encourage you to journal this down because it's a process it's not just a snap fingers and oh well, I've got this planted of faith and hope and, and knowledge before that conviction can really take place. Maybe it's just you getting to know Jesus better, reading through the Gospels and understanding who Jesus, this Jesus that, that we talk about is. But I encourage you right now to journal and to spend some time in your computer, on your phone, and with a journal in front of you, writing those thoughts and those, those things down. And as we always do, if there's realized that next level life for you is to take the first step, and that is to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Maybe you're here and you haven't done that yet, but you want to today. You want to accept Jesus Christ as the Savior of your life, like he is the Savior of our world. All you have to do is say, Jesus, forgive me of my sin. I'm a sinner. I've made mistakes. We all are. And I need your forgiveness. 
And I accept that forgiveness. And I believe that you were raised from the dead. The Bible tells us that if we make those two confessions, we will be saved. Saved simply meaning that you have the hope of eternal life, that your sins are completely forgiven. They're gone. And they'll never be held against you. And today, you have the hope of eternal life. And you belong to the family of God. You're a child of God, the Bible tells us. If that's you, I just want you to say this simple prayer. Dear Jesus, forgive me of my sin. I need your forgiveness. I thank you for dying on the cross. And I accept the forgiveness that that cross provides. And I believe today my sins are no longer to be held against me. I believe that you were raised from the dead. And three days later, you came to life promising me and all who believe in you eternal life. And I commit to follow you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to join your journey. And I hope the message made a big difference in your life. And if it did, we just encourage you to go to journeychurchventura.com and let us know. Also, be free to share this message with your friends and family. We just love to impact as many people as we can. Once again, thank you for joining us at Journey Church Ventura.